as you're developing that story, you've got the beginning, middle, and end, that catalyst, the resolution, all the different parts that make up a good story. Tell it to someone who has absolutely no stake in the game. They're not your ICP. They really have no idea what your product or service does. Tell them the story and see how they react. Because no, they're probably gonna turn around and they're not gonna become a buyer for you. But it's going to tell you, does that story resonate on a human level? You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? A great question. In short, it's gonna be a good time a great conversation, and yep, there's going to be a little learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in this world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. I don't know about you, but I am ready to chat. Are you ready to listen? In today's episode, we are covering storytelling for brands with Evie Bix. She is an inquisitive and resourceful marketing expert known for transforming common threads into impactful strategies that really drive rapid revenue growth. With a keen ability to dissect complex challenges, Evie thrives on uncovering the essence of a story before crafting compelling narratives. Her passion lies in collaborating with skilled professionals to architect innovative solutions, making her a driving force in simplifying the intricate world of marketing. So let's do this. Let's talk marketing with Evie. Evie, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast. I'm excited to have you on here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And today, what we're going to dive into is storytelling. But before we do that, because I feel like I could go down the rabbit hole already if I even tee that up, we want to be able to get to know you a little bit better. So I always like to start off with learning what was your first marketing role, and then we'll dive into what your current role is and what you would define as marketing. Because this is a question that I think is really interesting is that there are like these traditional getting started roles, but... I don't know. Marketing is pretty broad. So what was your first marketing role? So I got into marketing very roundabout, very non-traditional background. I actually went to school for journalism. And ever since high school, I was like, I'm going to get into journalism. I'm going to start a magazine. And it's going to be this like women empowerment magazine. And still love that. Love that dream. Not where I went. But I started in journalism and then the industry started changing a little bit. And I kid you not, the publication I was at started asking us about clicks on cat videos. And I was like, I'm out. I got to pull the plug right here. So through my connections in journalism, though, I met a number of PR agencies. And so I went over to the dark side, I say. So started in PR. And that's where I really started to learn about marketing. So it was PR marketing agency a lot of pitching journalists, a lot of coming up with what is the story you have to have that really good hook right from the get-go. And so I learned how to do that. But then also figuring out, okay, there is the it was really dealing with small businesses. How does this small business stand out? I'm in Phoenix. It's a pretty big market. 
So working with these businesses and figuring out what's the story, what's the angle that's really going to help them stand out. There is a ton of really great restaurants. A lot of our clients were restaurant clients. There's a ton of great restaurants in Phoenix. So what can we do for this one business to really get them to rise above the rest? And through that uh, number of years doing that, some crazy stories, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Putting a pin on that one for later. But that was my gateway into marketing. And then I ended up at a food and beverage startup that was starting out here in Phoenix on the marketing team. And that's where I found that I really was able to take all these different skills that I'd learned from these different areas and put them all together into marketing. It was the story finding, the storytelling, looking at data to actually see, okay, what story is working where? And of course, there's a ton of marketing that has nothing to do with story, but that's the side of marketing that I really fell in love with. I love that. And what are you doing now? So now I am doing a lot of consulting with brand and helping these businesses find the story that they really need to tell. There's, you could call it strategic narrative, you could call it storytelling, but finding that hook, that POV that's unique for that business. I love that. Now, in your just current role as a consultant and executing that for brands, what do you love about what it is that you're doing right now? I love being able to dive into business or an industry that I know absolutely nothing about and just get really deep very quickly. I love rabbit holes. That was one of the things that I loved about journalism was just, okay, you have to become an expert in this field that you maybe have no experience in very quickly. How do you do that? And I remember being in first grade and my first grade teacher told me, he was like, okay, you're great, very smart, great student. You have to stop distracting all the other classmates. You're talking with them too much. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You and I would have been a parent elementary school. Great (laughs) grades, but she talks too much. (laughs) Right. And so I've always loved learning about people and learning their stories and learning what makes them tick and what makes them excited. And so being able to do that for businesses and then that helps them grow and help other people too, that's the best. I think it's like that natural curiosity, which lends really well for anybody in journalism. Like, what's the next question that you ask? And most people ask this, you know, I'm thinking probably because I'm hungry, but I'm thinking of it in like a cake. There's so many layers. And I think when, when you come to anything, especially in marketing with, when you approach it with curiosity, you're a seven layer cake that just, and the frosting and the decorations on top. You're like, I want to see the whole whole thing. And most people will get like one or two layers deep, but like being able to craft something, you have to get so much deeper. Now, I could probably talk about the positive so much, but I want to know what you would pluck out also of what you're currently doing. Because we want to be real. Yes. We can't live all of it. It is the admin side of things. Being I had a feeling you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you think that? No, but just I am definitely on the fuel side of marketing. So anything, I can do spreadsheets. I can be in spreadsheets. It's not my happy place. And there's just a lot of spreadsheets and tables involved in the admin side of being a solopreneur. 
That's so true. I think it's also, and I said that I'm not surprised by it because I'm interviewing marketers all the time on this podcast. And one of the consistent things is the admin stuff. And I think that's probably common in a lot of jobs, but I think especially for marketing, it's a creative, it's a creative job. You have to be looking for connections and ideas and inspiration sort of at all times. And admin just bogs you down. What a downer. Um, but I've also <laughs> met some, I mean, there's such a an art and a science to marketing in really every part of it. And so my some of the my favorite people that I've met in marketing are those people that love the complete opposite side of marketing. And it we join forces and it's just Yes. <laughs> I love that. The yin to power game. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things that you had mentioned that you love is being able to dive deep and become an expert, whatever. And I think for marketing, you have to do that. You have to stay up to speed for things. I'd love to know which social networks, if any at all, you don't have to get any of this information from social networks. But if you do, which social networks do you gravitate towards for inspiration, entertainment, and education? Are you a TikTok scroller? That's the question on everyone's minds. I do not have a TikTok. It's a choice. I have to, my friends will send me TikToks, then I have to open them up in my browser. Complete new. So social media, I think it's really those communities that I found because of social networks that I find most inspiring and most helpful. Things like I'll give a shout out to Dave Gerhardt's Exit 5 community, which is just amazing. And I go in there, I always have the tab open on my computer and I'm constantly just refreshing and just the conversations. And there are marketers in there from people who are just starting out to people who have been in it for years and years and they are complete experts. And so just being able to be around those people and learn and be inspired from a marketing standpoint, I definitely find those communities really helpful. From a mindless scrolling perspective, I'm an Instagram girly. I get tried and true. Instagram's yeah. been around for a while. It's hard not to. I think I'm a hodgepodge of everything. I go to TikTok for entertainment and I also think for inspiration as well too, but Instagram is really great for that. Uh, yeah. It's all really the TikToks I see are really on Instagram. Exactly. They all migrate from one or the other. Absolutely. Now, outside of social networks, and you already mentioned a community, but I'm wondering if, are there other ways that you stay up to date? Is there a newsletter? Like I said, you mentioned that community. Are there other communities? Like, Give us the details of that. How do you stay up to date outside of social networks? I am such a fan of newsletters. And I think it's just because I have become so addicted to my email and making sure that I have inbox zero at all times. <laughs> so it's almost like a forcing function when that newsletter comes in. I'm like, I have to get that inbox zero. I got to read this right now. So that's maybe something that I should personally work on. But the newsletters that I especially love Emma Stratton's That's Punchy. It's all about messaging and copywriting and how to create messaging that's going to be memorable. She's also just got such a great way of presenting information. Caitlin, I think it's Bourjan, honestly. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but Caitlin Bourjan, we'll link to it. Why We Buy. So she really gets into the psychology behind why people even engage in marketing in the first time. And so that is my 
perfect little hybrid of science and psychology with marketing. I always say if I was going to go back to school, I'd go for psychology because I just think it's fascinating. And then the last one that I would give a shout out to is Hitton Shaw's newsletter. So he does a more curated list of things that he's found that are interesting throughout the week. And so I always find something that's inspiring or educational through that. Those are three amazing newsletters. I'm going to subscribe after we are finished with this because I too am obsessed with newsletters because I think there's not one that gives you all of the things, which is right. okay, I think, right. you know. I, and I think it's marketing good. Is, yeah, marketing is so broad too. It's done slightly different from B2B, B2C, D2C. There's the, yeah, I have a million and 12 different newsletters as well too. And it sounds like I'm going to be adding three more different newsletters. Those ones are my tried and true, big fans of them. I love that. Well, are you ready to talk marketing? Let's talk storytelling. Now, why do you think that storytelling has become such a buzzword? Because it is a bit. I even see it in job descriptions too. We're looking for a storyteller. It's all about storytelling. Why do you think it's become such a buzzword? And what do you actually mean by storytelling? Yeah, short of it, I think because it works. And I think there's been this realization, especially I come from the B2B side mostly, but I think there's been this shift in B2B where it is getting more B2C or D2C where, and I'm going to stop throwing around acronyms because that's just annoying, <laughs> but where there's been this idea where once you get into business or you become a professional, all of a sudden you have to put up this wall between that and who you are outside of the office or the business as well. That's how it's traditionally been. And I feel like that wall is becoming less and less rigid where there's this realization that, okay, just because I'm a professional or I'm working for this business, I'm still a human. And since we are kids, we are raised on stories the very first kind of content that you're given as a kid are storybooks. And so our brains are wired to enjoy stories, to remember things better when they're in the form of a story. And they've actually done studies on this where they would list out a number of facts and actually repeat the facts over and then share those facts in the form of a story. And your brain automatically remembers the story version so much better, even if you're getting the repetitive facts. So it's how we're hardwired. And so I think there's been this realization that, okay, this is actually doing a service for your customers by presenting this in story form. So the short of it, I think it's becoming buzzy just because it works. It does work. And I also am a big believer, and there's science to back this up, so it's not just my belief that's making this happen. But, you know, you had mentioned something about the psychology and being able to map that back to just marketing in general. And I think storytelling does that. And you also talked about having the hook for journalism, right? Like in journalism, you have to find the hook of what like the story is. And I think what storytelling really does a great job of is the hook being like the emotional hook, right? When you are able to make someone feel something good or bad, that's a memory that sticks with them. They can retell it. And when you use language that is probably a little bit more technical and you're just talking about your brand in a 
very top level way, it's hard for people to retain it. But when you can tell them a story and they feel something from it, it sounds so hokey when I say it out loud. In my head, it sounded much more articulate. No, but it's so true. And there is, again, I think there's this idea that business is all logic. No, we're each human. We are emotional creatures. And even if I'm managing a multi-billion dollar budget, that'd be nice. Anyone want to give me that? Uh, Sign up. (laughs) Yeah, where do I sign up? But even if you have that kind of stake in the game, you're still making decisions based on emotion. Yes, you can have data and you can have sources that are really guiding you. But at the end of the day, we're emotional creatures and stories are emotional. Absolutely. Good ones. I think the disconnect for some brands is they could be listening and any marketer could be listening as well too and say, I'm bought in. Evie and Katya, I'm bought in. Storytelling is it. But what does that mean from the brand perspective? How do we translate storytelling for a brand? How, How do you even guide a brand when you're stepping in to help them build their story? Because I've heard it so many times. We don't have a consistent story. We don't have a consistent story, but how do you even begin to develop that story? It feels like rocket science. I've seen this on the eyeballs of some people I've worked with. It seems like it's rocket science, but and I know that it's not. How do we translate that? Yeah. So I think, and because storytelling has become this buzzword that people are almost starting to look at with a little bit of doubt. What do you even mean by that? So I like to think of it, the first phase of storytelling is really story finding. You have to do the research. You have to find the story that's even worth telling. And for me, that always comes back to the customer and talking with the customer. I'm seeing this hesitancy to sit down and really get to know the customer. And I completely credit my journalism background with this. I'm like, get me in that room. I want to ask them questions. I'm so curious. I've got a list. Yes. Oh, (laughs) always. (laughs) But so I would say for brands that are looking to find the story, and I wouldn't even say it's, it's just for brands. This could be for a product launch. This could be for a campaign. This could be for your website copy. It's starting with the customer. That's the person that you're trying to serve here and also the person that you're trying to lead through this journey to also to ultimately end in a sale. But you have to start with them and you have to understand what are they dealing with right now? What is the pain? What are they desperately trying to solve? And what I advise people to do is while you're having that conversation, just forget about your product or service for the time being. And that is so hard for people to wrap their heads around. But ultimately, yes, I know I say that and people are like, what do you mean that I'm trying? You're like, I want that. Well, because I feel like so often the focus, you have to start with people coming to you. That's so top of funnel. But as a business, we only stay alive because of bottom of the funnel. So I think Mm -hmm. like that's, it's tough to say, okay, I just want you to table you and your brand and what you're trying to achieve. But you you have to in order to suss out that story. Right. And what I love about that is when you get closer to your customer and you really hear the pain from them in their words, 
that directly translates into better converting bottom of funnel content. So when you're looking for those moments where it's really going to click with someone to the point where they're going to convert, that is the most important place to be as close as possible to your customer. Yes, you want to be broadcasting that message up at top and getting people interested so they get to that point. But that's the point where you need those subject matter experts and the people who really understand that pain to create that engaging content that's going to help those buyers finally cross that line. So when you talk about connecting with the customers so that you understand them, that was one thing. Tabling just for a moment, your brand and where that fits into like their kind of pain points. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what types of questions you want to ask them. And the reason that I'm asking that is because I think I interview people all of the time. I know that when you ask exactly what you're trying to get out of them, it's you don't get as much as you want. So I'm not going to say what's your biggest challenge. I probably will say that. But I think that there are a bunch of different supporting kind of follow-up questions to really unpack that and get them to really talk. So what kind of questions do you ask to, to get a better understanding of the customer's point of view? So when you're having these conversations, the first few minutes are really all about establishing trust with the person that you're talking with. You're going to be asking them some pretty personal, kind of challenging questions later on. So building that rapport, building that trust up front is so crucial so that when you start asking those more difficult questions, it doesn't feel like an attack and they actually give you those honest answers. So I love to start those conversations talking about the person's wins or the goals that they're going after. Start them off talking about something that they're excited about, that they're proud about. And this is something that I can say, and I know it just takes practice. You have your questions. You know where you want the conversation to go. But once you start it, you have to be there in the moment. You have to be paying attention to them and picking up on things that they're saying, watching their body language. Are they leaning forward because they're really interested in something? Do they start leaning back and maybe crossing their arms? That's showing, ooh, okay, there's something a little sensitive there. And don't be afraid to ask about those changes in their body language too. That's one of my favorite things to do during these conversations. And it doesn't have to come across as an attack or anything like that, especially or creepy. Oh, don't get me wrong, but you told that line. <laughs> but especially when someone leans back or they start to come in on themselves, like you're getting to something very personal there, just pause and say, hey, I noticed a slight shift in your body language there. Can you tell me a little bit about what was going through your mind as you were talking about that? And start to get, like you were talking about the cake before, start to get down in those layers. There's always something else. And why the biggest reason that I say forget about your product or service while you're having these conversations is because you're really trying to get at that core pain or problem that they're trying to solve. Ideally, that is solvable by your product. But if it's not, if the pain that they are really struggling with right now has nothing to do with your product or service, that is extremely valuable information for you to have now before you get 
too far into a process or too far into a product that just isn't validated in the market at all. I totally agree. I also love the whole putting your brand or your solution to the side because it does make me think, I don't know if anybody has ever said this or I don't know if it's an adage or whatever it is, but it is this, if you're going to ask a question and you're already thinking of like your retort, then you're not really listening. So to me, it has that same sort of sentiment when you're telling someone like, hey, put your brand to the side. You're not truly listening if you're always already trying to think of what your response is. Or how you're going to weave in what you want to say. Yes, exactly. One of the things that I love to do is record those types of conversations because it allows you to be completely present And then you can go back to it because Lord knows after every interview, I forget absolutely everything, but I'm completely in it for 30, 45 minutes. But I think that's could be sound advice for anybody who's, I want to ask these questions, but I have to like remember all of these things. And then you get so busy with all of the admin stuff of trying to have that conversation with someone and it removes you. It removes you from really being able to dive deep. Yeah. And the cues that you're going to pick up on in those conversations that are really going to color and inform the story you do tell are the things that you could so easily miss because you're looking, you're writing a note or you're all of a sudden looking off camera to be typing notes or something like that. But that little, it can be, it's really the body language that is going to cue you in on those things. And so if you're not there and you're not present, that story that could be the one for you, you could miss it. Oh, that's so true. Now, what do you think that brands often miss when it comes to telling their brand story? I think the biggest mistake that I see is trying to make it about themselves, trying to make it about product. And another buzzword that's been floating around a lot right now is POV a brand's point of view. What's misleading about that is your POV should be all about the customer and what life is like before and after your product for that customer. But it's your product is the minor character in that story that you're trying to tell. The customer really is that hero. And so figuring out, okay, what is their current life like? What is the situation? What is that catalyst that's coming in that's creating some kind of change? It could be environmental. It could be the certain growth stage that the company is at. It could be just finally your product exists and nothing was there to solve that problem before. And even in that scenario, it's so tempting to say, oh, but this product is swooping in and going to save the day for this customer. No, because customers don't care about your product ultimately. That's a really hard thing to say, but they care about their problems and their pains and finding solutions for that. And so I think the biggest mistake that I see is crossing that line and making that product or service or brand or company or whatever it is the hero instead of keeping that spotlight on the customer. I love that. And I read the this book, Building Your Story Brand, which mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with. I've read it a million and 12 times, right? And I think like in that book that he talks about really truly making your customer the hero in the story and you as a brand should be Yoda. 
if you were looking at your, you should be there just advising and, and, you know, bringing up a different point of view. Have you seen it this way? And I think when you think of it in that way, it seems in theory, it seems so easy, but I know that it is much more of a challenge because we are in a business that you work with are in a business. They have to make something and to be able to connect the dot of building or taking the time to build your brand story to ROI can be daunting. How do you connect those dots for people so that they're like, yes, I should invest the time in building my strategic narrative, building my brand story, because ultimately it is going to give me that return on investment. How, How do you bridge that gap for brands that you work with? I think so. Ultimately, it comes back to the basics. And I say this, it comes back to the customer. And yes, you're a brand, you're trying to make money. But if you aren't serving the customer, there isn't going to be any money there. Nobody's going to be buying that product or that service. And so you have to make sure that is aligned, that what you're doing is actually aligned with the customer that you're trying to serve. And making that customer the main focus, like it's almost annoying how often I say, you got to talk to the customers. You got to come back and talk to those customers. They are going to tell you, not directly. And this is where that artistry comes in, where you do have to translate some things, but they're going to tell you exactly where that ROI fits in for them, where they need that product, where they need that solution. And then it's on you to really translate that into something that is going to convey that for them, whether it is a piece of content or whether it's some thought leadership or something like that. But it really comes back to look at the customer, talk with the customer. There is no secret there. It's within the customer and you just have to be able to get it out of them. Oh, that's so true. I've got a a couple more questions for you before we wrap up, but I want to make sure that we leave our listeners with some just kind of tips on how they can build their brand story. So do you have some tips for me that we can share? So we'll come to no surprise. My first tip is most of the time that you're working on this storytelling is going to be in research. It's going to be talking with as many customers as you can. And I say that not because I think someone's actually going to sit down and talk with 300 different customers. (laughs) (laughs) The time that would take, right? But it has to be a decent amount. And I would say around 20 is the minimum that you want to be able to really draw that thread that is not just a couple different pieces of data. It's really something that's overarching, that's speaking to this audience as a whole But then you also want that amount because it's one thing to be able to tell an abstract story that's based on the customer pain and is going to resonate with them. It's another thing to be able to tell a specific customer's story. And so the more customers that you can talk with, the better that common thread, the the stronger that common thread is going to be. But it's also more likely that you're going to find that one customer that can be that archetype for the story. And it's all about those details. You can tell when something is too vague to really be true. There aren't the specifics behind it. And so if you can find that champion that is going to be that kind of 
named hero for your brand. You can use them to tell that story. It's going to be more powerful. So that's all to say you got to talk to a lot of people. Yeah, you do. You have to talk to a lot of people and ask the the questions to get through the layers. Right. That was going to be my next tip is, again, look for those little cues in their body language, in the tone of their voice. When do they start talking a little bit faster about things? That that shows excitement. That shows, okay, maybe I want to dig in a little bit there. So I would say, obviously, we're in a distributed remote world now. Definitely do video conversations. Phone is fine. It's better than nothing. But video and ideally in person, that's the way to get those little cues and really get those good details that are going to color that story for you. I love that. I have a follow-up question to that. How do you feel about surveys to customers to get that number? I am torn about surveys. I would say for the foundational storytelling, it's got to be one-to-one conversations. When you are working on something that is, you already have that basis, you feel like you know that pain, that customer really well, you have the language they use to talk about that pain. Okay, let's use surveys to validate some broader ideas at a mass scale. But what is great about surveys, if you want to start that way, or maybe you have someone a little higher up that says, hey, I don't want you to spend the time on all these interviews. Let's just do a survey. Okay, do that survey, get that data, but then reach out to some of those survey participants and ask them for a conversation because that can be a way that you can get that mass amount of data that you need, but then you can get a few where you can really dig deep and use them as representations for that other data set. I like that. So there is an effective way to leverage surveys in this whole fact-finding to share your story. But I'm right there with you as well, too. The one-to-one, the, nothing beats really being able to dive in, just dive into something. I, I've always found that it's almost just about, to your point, being very aware of their nonverbal and verbal when you find the right question that gets people to open up, it's amazing how much they're willing to share with you. I love that. That to me is magic. (laughs) My other, my last tip that I would give is in those conversations, don't be afraid of silence. And it can be so uncomfortable, but it only takes, I think I'm going to butcher this statistic, but it's something like four seconds for someone to fill the silence, for someone to feel so uncomfortable that they will just start talking to fill it. And so that was one of my favorite things to do in conversations is you ask a question, they answer, and then just sit. Just let them feel that silence. And most of the time, they will start filling it. And those are the moments where I found that I get better answers because they're starting to think, okay, I said what I think she wants to hear. Oh, no, there's silence. Oh, well, how about this too? And those are really the moments where I found that you get that nugget or you get something a little bit more interesting to dig into. Oh my God, I love that you said that because I am also the queen of filling the silence. I am anybody who knows me that's listening to this is probably laughing out loud because I hate awkward silence. It is like this drive to fill it. As an interviewer, I totally see that benefit. But I've also been on that other end. This is probably why I overshare. There you go, folks. 
That is the answer. I overshare because of awkward silence. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And then one more. I know we're running out of time, but this one I think is a really helpful tip, especially for smaller brands who maybe don't have a ton of resources. As you're developing that story, you've got the beginning, middle, and end, that catalyst, the resolution, all the different parts that make up a good story. Tell it to someone who has absolutely no stake in the game. They're not your ICP. They really have no idea what your product or service does. Tell them the story and see how they react. Because no, they're probably going to turn around and they're not going to become a buyer (laughs) for you. But it's going to tell you, does that story resonate on a human level? Is there that emotion there? Do they understand the build, the climax, the resolution? And that will give you some very helpful feedback when you're actually at the point where you're forming that story, finding the right words to say, things like That's got to be my absolute favorite tip. And I'm so thankful that you have come on here, broken down storytelling, given us some tips and some insights on how to be better brand storytellers. I've got one final question for you just to end cap a wonderful interview with you is if you knew then what you know now, what's the marketing advice that you give to yourself? Talk with your customers. It did not, I did not start my marketing career with this kind of conviction around this. But as I have matured and worked with more businesses, it is so clear to me that is the secret to finding what your customers truly want how they talk about it, and how they're ultimately going to resonate with your or relate to your brand and your product or service. I love that. That's great advice. Everybody who's listening, you can put your pens down, listen to the key takeaways at the end of it. Evie, thank you so much for coming on here and just sharing all of your insights. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. So anyone that knows me knows that content is in my heart, meaning storytelling is in my soul. So I had such a great time talking to Evie today. I've got your key takeaways. Here is the first one. Prioritize customer-centric storytelling. Evie really emphasizes the importance of customer-centric storytelling, which I think is key. Successful brand stories really revolve around the customer as the hero, not the product or service. Marinate on that one a bit. It is not about the product or the service. It is about the customer. Engaging with customers through one-on-one conversations really helps uncover their pain points, emotions, and needs, which are really the foundation of a compelling narrative. And rather than focusing solely on your product, put your customers' experiences and problems at the forefront of your brand story to really create relatable and content that resonates with them. Relatable, resonating content. I think that's what I want to say. The second key takeaway, leverage conversations. And this one's a tough one for me. Embrace the silence. Effective storytelling involves in-depth conversations with customers where you're really listening more than you're talking. Evie suggests embracing moments of silence during these conversations and really allowing customers to share deeper insights and reveal more authentic emotions. 
By pausing after a question, customers may feel more compelled to provide more details in answering any questions that you have. And that really contributes to a really richer understanding of their experiences and their challenges. This approach really helps craft a more genuine and compelling brand story that, again, resonates with your audience. So take a moment, embrace the silence. That one, again, a challenge for me, but it is so true. It's everything that happens in between the question and the answer that, again, why I don't necessarily send the questions ahead of time, even when I'm, you know, to the guests that I'm bringing on to the show, I always tell them it's a conversation outline. This is where I'd love to take it, but let's see where it goes. And the final key takeaway, test your story on outsiders. So to really ensure your brand story resonates beyond your immediate audience, share it with individuals who have actually no prior knowledge of your product or your service. Their reactions are really going to provide valuable insights into how well your story communicates on a human level. Now, this exercise allows you to really gauge whether your narrative successfully conveys its core elements, beginning, middle, climax, and resolution in a way that's going to be universally relatable. Adjust your story based on the feedback received to really create that narrative that captures attention and drives connection. I often find that when you're writing anything, whether it's a a brand story or it's a blog, you always need that second set of eyes. If you are the person that's doing all of the research and, and you're writing it and you're putting it together and you're even reading it out loud, reading it out loud is also a necessary step before you even, you know, send it off to naked eyes, I guess I would, I would call it anybody that doesn't know your brand. But I think all of these key, these elements, these key things are needed to really test your story. It, it's really seeing, do they have that understanding? When you're the person that's doing all of the things, you're so into it. Your brain is like, it already knows what you want to say. So you're less likely to catch potential areas of really making it even better. So what insights did you gain from this episode? Do you feel like you can tell any story? I'd love to for you to share your insights with me by reaching out via LinkedIn, Katya Allison, or post it in a review. If you listen to the podcast on Apple podcast reviews, help, please, please, please post a review. Uh, I am not beyond that many pleases, by the way, (laughs) a special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team and content allies. Check out the episode page to learn more about Evie and how you can get in touch with me as well. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic, but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.